Hi, this is Alina and Megan, and you're listening to Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast, where we dive into all things health, wellness, and fitness. We are two certified athletic trainers, personal trainers, and nutrition coaches who met and graduated together from the University of Arkansas. And we want to do this podcast to spread our joy about treating our bodies well through nutrition, exercise, and knowledge. Today on Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast, we welcome Tiffany Lee. Tiffany is a senior body language instructor at the Body Language Institute in Alexandria, Virginia. She is also an empowerment coach and a certified spinning instructor. Tiffany is also a lupus survivor, a powerlifter, and she is an expert in helping you spot the liars in your life and take control of your own life, as well as help you elevate your career, all using the power of body language. We absolutely loved filming this episode with Tiffany Lee, and we know you're going to learn something from it. It was a topic that both Megan and I had not known much about, and we are so glad to have her on this podcast to share her knowledge. So today on Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast, we welcome Tiffany. And now this episode is going to be a little bit different than our other ones just because of the topic, but we're so excited to have you on. So welcome, Tiffany. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Hi, everyone listening. Thanks for joining in. So let's just kind of get right into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, you know, my life has been a journey. Well, when people look at me, they they see a person who is confident, who, you know, is is working and has lots of different business things going on and somebody who can stand up in front of everybody and just get to talking, you know, just no nervousness or anything. But what a lot of people don't know is that there was a time when I was afraid to open my mouth. I was afraid to be comfortable in my own skin and 2009, I was diagnosed with lupus and went into kidney failure pretty much overnight. I gained 100 pounds of fluid in 48 hours. I went in the hospital in August and didn't leave until almost October. And that happened in 2009, so I was like 27, 26. And when you go through something like that, it just changes you. I mean, I was was depressed. I had low self-esteem. My body was just all bananas and out of whack, having to go through chemo for a year and a half after that. And so I was just in a really, really bad place. But as a result of that, it has just made me so empowered and so just have that desire to really, really help people get to where I am now without having to go through everything I went there. You know, hopefully many people out there, if you're going through an illness, just stay strong. You know, I I know it sucks and it can totally change your life, but I made it my goal and my purpose in life after I survived it and came over on the other side. Even now, my doctors are still like, we really don't know how all of your, all of a sudden your kidneys came back on. Cause I was one or two steps away from being, needing a kidney transplant. And all of a sudden the switch just flipped and they slowly started to come back and the tide kind of changed. But I just have, after that, I just wanted people, especially women, I, I do focus on, on women, to just feel empowered and to feel strong and to feel confident, whether that's at work, at home, dealing with kids, just out and about, just going to the grocery store, you know? So when I got into the world of body language, it kind of just, it melted together because it, it really all does kind of go together. So tell us a little more about how you got into that world. And I guess you just mentioned before that you're very confident. And so we can kind of talk a little bit about 
what it's done for you and how you can help your clients. But we'll just start with how you got into that world. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I went to school for communication and culture. So I started out kind of having a little baby toe into that world just from college. And a couple of years ago, I actually went to a work conference and the keynote speaker was Janine Driver. And she's like one of the top body language experts in this area. And we just instantly connected. I was staring at the screen like mesmerized and all of a sudden everything in my life made sense. And I was like, this is what I'm missing. This is why you know, people always have thought that I'm quiet. I'm like, no, I'm not quiet. I've just always been extremely observant. And I've always been one of those people that's like, you know, something's off. Something doesn't really feel right about a certain situation or about somebody I may be interacting with, but not really knowing the science behind it to put together, okay, you're not crazy. Their body was showing you something that your subconscious mind picked up on, but you just didn't know what was going on. So I always tell people, when that little voice inside of you says, go left, and you're like, no, I'm going to go right, because I don't want you know, people to think that I'm being a certain way, you may want to think about that, you know, because a lot of times when you don't know what it looks like physically, your subconscious mind picks up on things and it tries to alert you. You know, you get that red flashing light, like abort, abort. <laughs> don't, don't go any further. Like, you know, I tell women, you know how you, you meet that guy and you're like, oh my God, he's, he's awesome. Or you meet a person and like, they're, they're the best thing ever, but something doesn't feel right. But instead we, we ignore it. Mm-hmm. And we say, you know what? No, I'm not, I'm not going to mess up a good thing. I'm just going to go forward. And then a couple months later, you find out the other person may be like absolutely crazy. <laughs> And it's like your, your mind and your brain picks up on these things that a lot of times our conscious body doesn't even know that we're sending these signals. Because a lot of it starts on a subconscious level. Can you give some examples of things that are kind of red flags of people's body language that they would be exuding for you to be able, I mean, I don't want to be like, you know, on the alert or anything like that, but it is interesting (laughs) because you know what you give out as well. You know what you can give Um, out to people, what you want to portray and what you want to show. Right. So the easiest one for me to always tell people is to look out for shoulder shrugs. So a shoulder shrug, you know how you say, I don't know, and you kind of move your shoulders up and down. Mm -hmm. So in our world, a shoulder shrug means uncertainty. We always say nothing is concrete, but in our world, a shoulder shrug pretty much means uncertainty. So what you want to look for is if, let's say you're asking your spouse, how was work today? And they say, oh, it was good. But then they shrug their shoulders. If work was good and nothing happened, why did you shrug your shoulders? If shoulder shrugs, that means uncertainty. (laughs) (laughs) So that's just kind of your cue to just dig a little deeper, you know, start asking some questions and say, oh, hey, so what about that meeting that you told me you were nervous about? Or, you know, just start start digging and and asking questions if it's something that you want to do. Sometimes I see these things and it really, I don't really care to dig deeper into it. So I let it go, but it's always like that note that, okay, something was going on there. And especially tell parents to do this. Things are kind of different now that we aren't, everybody's not physically in school, but when your children would come home from school and you would say, how was school today? And they said, oh, school was fine. And they shrugged their shoulders when they said it. You know, imagine if teachers knew that a shoulder shrug means uncertainty. Imagine if all parents knew that even though your child may be saying something was awesome and it was great, or it wasn't great, and they shrugged their shoulders that, hey, something else was really going on beneath that and we're just not taught to look at these things and then to learn how to dig deeper and ask the right questions in the right way do you think that you can reverse engineer it so that like say you want to 
feel something? Do you think that you could pay more attention to like how you move your body, I guess, so that you can end up feeling a certain way, like confident, for example? Right. I have a couple of female clients and they would always say, you know, when they're in the boardroom, they're in these leadership positions, but a lot of times they're the only women, you know, so they go in these rooms and they sit in the back of the room with their hands underneath the table, underneath the desk. You know, women are taught to sit there and be quiet, don't say anything. And so I tell them, go into the bathroom five minutes before your meeting and do a couple of power poses. So one that we do is superwoman pose, superwoman or superman pose. We just stand up tall, put both hands on your hips and just kind of do that for a couple minutes. And what that does is, it ex one, it expands your chest until you open up and you're looking at yourself in the mirror. And I just say, give yourself a pep talk. But when you do it in this position of openness, in this position of power, and there are lots of other positions, but this is probably the simplest one to describe without everybody seeing it. When you do that, you start to look at yourself in the mirror that way, and then you start to feel that way, and you begin to embody that confidence. Because just doing this and putting your head up, you automatically feel like, oh my God, I'm awesome. And over time, you know, and it's not something that always happens instantly but i find that when people start to do it on a regular basis especially before something that they're nervous about it does kind of help you go into the situation feeling a little more a little more confident it's actually interesting so i was a gymnast growing up and we used to do kind of a similar thing before we competed on beam and it wasn't it my mm -hmm. thought was always like fake it till you make it like it doesn't matter if you know if you really exactly. feel confident or not as long as you get up there and you pretend to be confident you're most likely going to make the routine so it exactly. goes from an, yeah. to an athletic standpoint also. And there's a lot of research that shows that that works. I've, I've read about it. Mm -hmm. And it's like a lot of times you'll see athletes kind of jumping up and down, maybe like on their heels, kind of doing that bounce. Mm -hmm. That's like a release of pressure. You know, it's, it's, it's a release of the pressure of you may be nervous. You may be feeling some kind of anxiety. And like we said, they don't even, we don't even know we're doing it for right. that reason. Our bodies just kind of do it. It's like you're getting ready and you're like, okay, okay, let's yeah. do this. Let's go but you don't know that that's really is doing something to you mentally. Mm -hmm. That's wild. Yeah. Did you use that Superman pose with yourself, with your own confidence? Oh my goodness. Yes. When I first started speaking in front of people, I was nervous. Like, even though I knew how to not appear nervous, I still felt nervous. So I would have to kind of do a reset myself sometimes like 10, 20 minutes beforehand and just kind of get myself right. I would bounce up and down on my toes. I would, do all of the power poses. <laughs> and you like, you talk to yourself in the mirror and you're just like, I got this, I can do this. While you're hitting one of the power poses and then you just go out there and do it, whatever it is, whether it's a meeting, whether you're an athlete. And I would especially do it when I was doing powerlifting. I would literally stand there while I'm getting chalk on my hands and jump up and down and put my hands on my hips. Like I was really about to be superwoman. And yeah, and it worked. <laughs> That's amazing. Who are, what are your, most of your clients do? They range from housewives to women who are CEOs and C-level executives. I mean, it runs the gamut. I do focus primarily on women. And I tell my clients, you know, I focus on women, but I have a few lucky men who I will work with. And that's <laughs> only, and I take men through a totally different like questionnaire before they can even get started with me because I want to work with the man who understands I'm teaching you as a man, how to relate to women, not to take advantage of women, not to do that. So a lot of times I will work with men who are CEOs and they're like, you know, I have a company that has a lot of women in it, but I don't feel like I connect with them. So those are the type of men that I work with. But my main focus has always been women, just because we are taught 
to just be quiet, to be small, to shrink ourselves, to not have confidence. And that's crap. Throw it out the window. So I guide people through different steps and different tricks, including from body language to emotional intelligence, which is now shown to be 10 times more important than IQ, because you can be the smartest person in the room, but you're, if you're a jerk, nobody wants to work with you. 100%. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's kind of just my lane and what I love to do. It's, it's been a very, very interesting journey. And I love when I talk to my clients like months later after we stopped working together and they can then tell me how not only were they able to pick up on other people's body language and things, but then they would notice when they would do things like, why, why am I saying one thing, but I'm doing something else. So it, it then you flip it and you, you start to work on yourself at the same time. That's cool. So then how has that changed now with a lot of things being on like Zoom? Has yeah. your work changed at all? Everything, of course, is now virtual. And I'm actually putting together a, a course that I'm probably going to start in January for Zoom confidence, being confident when you're on all these Zoom calls. Everybody's got like Zoom fatigue at this moment. You know, everybody's <laughs> over it. But it's what it is for right now. So how to feel better and look better on screen and how to capture the attention of other people on the screen. I've, I've seen so many people who are on Zoom meetings and half the people have their cameras off, they're not even on the screen. He's like, are you even paying attention? Or are they listening? Or is, is anybody engaged? So just a couple of, of tips that I have that kind of help people just pull the audience in, even though we're all virtual now. Yeah, cool. I start PT school in January and my program actually, it's all of the didactics are online. So all mm -hmm. of our classes are either recorded Zoom, which obviously doesn't matter for that, but like for the in-person ones, I mean, my class is pretty big and yeah. I know that the professors will all have us mostly just muted and, and blindfolded or whatever you would call it so that you're not <laughs> showing initially just because there's like a ton of people and they don't want to like crash the system. But like the other day we had a class and it was kind of interesting because I was like, it's so weird because usually Alina can attest to this. <laughs> we went to grad school together and I'm very, I participate in class, you know, yes, I mean, right. you're so, paying for it. So what the hell, you better be participating. Like, right. Megan participated, Megan yeah, participated I mean, enough to pay all of our tuitions. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, some people didn't pay tuition. So, but yeah, so it's weird because I'm not nearly as like confident on zoom which is i mean you'd think that people would have an easier time being confident because you're like you're safe on your own or whatever but for me it was just yeah. it was really strange plus there's so many people in my class right it's a different world it's like when you're in a room you don't feel like everybody is looking at you versus when you're on the camera mm -hmm. even though there may be a hundred other people i was at a, a virtual summit two weekends ago and it was like 700 people but yeah. it's something about being in front of that camera. You think everybody, all 700 people are looking at you, <laughs> even though they're probably really not, you know, yeah. they, they may be doing something else. They're scrolling through the screen, but that's just the difference between when you're in a meeting in a room, you either know everybody's looking at you because you can see them or, you know, they're not looking at you, you know, yeah. zoom and this whole virtual world has kind of created an unknown. And so that is where, that kind of shrinking of confidence comes in because it's like, I'm not really sure how I'm showing up on camera. Then it's, then it's, you know, how do I look on camera? Am I still cute? <laughs> so tell us some more like little things that we could look out for in ourselves, but also I guess 
in the setting of just working in the world with people, it's kind of hard just because we're all on Zoom right now. But what right. are just different signs that you can look out for? So I would say to try to keep, I mean, we're filming this, but as you can see, you can see like my hands are moving. Mm -hmm. And that's one really big thing in, in the body language world. People tend to trust and, and remember people who are speaking when they're using their hands, when they're being engaging. You say, when, when you show your hands, you're being honest, you know, and you just kind of think about that. When people say, show me your hands, you know, either you do or you don't. And when you do, that's perceived as not hiding anything. So it's the same thing on virtual meetings and things like that, or, or even in person. Yeah. The more you show your hands, the more open they appear, the more open you then communicate that you are to who's ever receiving your message. So that's definitely one to, to keep in mind. And then one that's kind of body language, but kind of we dip into statement analysis a little bit, is when you're on these Zoom meetings, especially if you're the one leading it, even if you've got everybody blacked out so you can't see them, call people's names because that's going to force them to stay engaged because they never know if you're going to call their name or if you're not going to call their name. So they can never be too distracted where they are totally disengaged from you. So that's definitely something that I've been telling a lot of people to use on Zoom. And be wary of the virtual backgrounds. Like they're cute, but don't let it distract from you. You know, so if you're going to pick something, kind of pick a solid color or if you're at a company that they have their own background, use their background and don't try to let's not always be in the Bahamas or out in space. Like I've seen some people and I'm like, I'm, I'm so busy looking at what their virtual background is. I don't even know what they're talking about. We all about. know no one can travel right now anyway. So. Right. <laughs> so yeah, those are two really good ones. And I talk a lot about anger, you know, when I, when I first learned about body language and just that whole world, anger was one of the things that, that flipped for me. So anger is really, a secondary emotion for fear, sadness, and anxiety. And so when I say that to people, I kind of just say it and I pause. Because think of how many times you've been angry, your spouse has been angry, your friends have been angry, your parents have been angry. And all we see is the anger. But what if you knew that it could really mean that fear, sadness, or anxiety? How differently would you respond? So when you're at the grocery store and somebody accidentally snaps at you or just for no reason and you immediately want to go to a level 10 you say you know what no maybe they're going through something because that's fear sadness and anxiety so but all we see on the outside is that anger mm -hmm. wow that's deep yeah i love that one with kids and teenagers teenagers especially because they they appear angry a lot mm -hmm. but when you then know that the background of that anger is fear sadness and anxiety it's like, wow, what's really going on? Maybe we yeah. need to have some deeper conversations about what the anger is really about. And then you look at it in yourself. Like when I first learned that, I said, oh my God, no wonder when I was sick in the hospital, I was a horrible patient. <laughs> I said some things to some folks that I wish I could go back and find them and just say, I am so sorry. But why? Because I was afraid I was gonna die. I was sad that at 26, I was laying in a hospital bed not knowing what was going to happen. It was all these other emotions I had going on, but it all just showed up as anger. I'm sure that's very yeah. common for a lot of people too. And they just don't know. What yeah, we, we don't know. And then when you start to know it, like I said, not only do you pick up on it on other people, you then say, wait a minute, why am I so angry? Yeah. And then you maybe you sit, I always tell people, you know, whether you journal, whether you write to journal or you just take a walk and think, like really get down to it. What 
what are you angry about? You know, it's always that one person when we used to all go to work all the time, it's like that person is so angry all the time. They come in the morning and they're angry. And so you respond, either you either come back with anger or you just totally ignore them. Mm -hmm. And then three weeks later, you may find out that they try to take their own life, having no idea that that anger that you saw was really so much deeper than that. That's very deep information. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. if you think about it, that's kind of how animals are. If an animal mm -hmm. feels threatened, they, you know, bite you <laughs> or something. Right. People don't typically do that, but I mean, it's the same. <laughs> right. Sure. We hope not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You never know. Times are, times are a little crazy right now, but hopefully not. Right. I hope we don't get that far off. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, yeah. so you work with one-on-one -on -one clients. Do you do any like workshops for groups or like teams or anything like that? Yes, I'm going to start doing that. Everything is kind of building up for the first of the year. I know we're coming up on holidays and everybody is going to be stressed out. One, because, you know, holidays with plus COVID plus yeah. everything else going on in the world. So I'm kind of holding off on starting anything new until the first of the year. So the first of the year I'm going to do, I'm going to open up a group. I'm only going to take like 15 people. And it's going to be an eight-week program. And we're going to really, really dig deep into the empowerment piece and the confidence building piece and what that looks like physically what it looks like mentally you know we're going to talk about some food and some nutrition because i tell people it starts with how you feel about yourself you know when i first started out i came from the fitness world i was a cycling instructor then i got into powerlifting and was deep into like paleo and keto and like all of that but that is the foundation of your confidence you know you think about when you eat a crappy meal it may taste good for the moment, but then like the next day you're exhausted and you're tired. So how can you show up confident if you don't feel good? So I spend like two weeks talking about just being healthy that's because true. that's where it all starts. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I find I feel so much better. I mean, I just feel more like one being when I can move my body like early in the day, like my brain and my body mm -hmm. are both, both on and functioning. I've checked in with everybody, you know, that I feel so much better just throughout right. the day. And I know so many people are missing that because not many people have like an exercise routine that's actually, you know, regimented or consistent. Right. I mean, I don't even know right. what percentage of Americans exercise regularly, to be totally honest. Yeah. And but, I, you know, I tell people, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a gym rat. You know, you don't have to spend hours and hours in the gym. If that's your thing, that's fine. But just take a couple of dance breaks throughout the day. Just move. <laughs> Even before like a big meeting or a presentation, I will just have like a five minute dance break. I'll put on some kind of music and I'll just get my body pumped before we, before we got on the call to do the podcast. I turned on Beyonce for a minute and we just had a jam session. That's you know, awesome. when, when you move your mind, you move your body. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get that. You just answered your last question, but uh, <laughs> do you ever work with couples, like married couples or just dating couples or anything? I work with married couples and that's always fun. That's, yeah. that's fun. And I had one male couple, one male couple, and we actually worked together for about five months because it doubles the time, you know, because while I work with couples, I will then still have a couple of weeks off and on where I only talk to one person just so that mm -hmm. they can be open and honest. And then we bring them back together and talk about, you know, different things that are going on and just how, how to communicate better, you know, yeah. it's like, I did a, um, a webinar two weeks ago talking about women commanding the bedroom. You know, what does that look like? What does that look like to know how to use your body so that you can enjoy 
your bedroom time so that it's not just something that you're going through a routine on, you know, just another, another box on the list, like, okay, let's get it over with, you know, different things that, that you can do to empower yourself, to put you in the mood, to make you the one who's maybe initiating it's not instead of just waiting for somebody else to initiate. Cool. Well, can we link that or can we give people the, how they can access that? Yeah, I'm putting together a review sheet of it because we had it already. But it'll be the best way to well, find it will be to follow me on Instagram at the real Tiff Lee because okay. that's kind of where I post all the links to to everything when they're when they're Perfect. done. Cool. So yeah, yeah, that was a good one. That was yeah. a fun group. That yeah. sounds yeah. fun. We had wine virtually. <laughs> yeah, wow. that just, was a juicy one. Yeah, it's something that you know everybody's like wants but no one really wants to talk about it or like admit that they want that or that they are worried about that or whatever so that's cool i mean i just think we need to normalize things like that yeah i I said if we're not having sex we're thinking about it or we want to do it you know (laughs) so let's not let's not act like you know oh my god i don't want to i don't want to say the s word when i got when we did the the call i was like just know that we're going to say sex a lot on this webinar so if that makes you uncomfortable you're in the right place because I don't want it I don't want people to feel uncomfortable talking about things that maybe they aren't used to talking about or talking about things that they're still trying to learn and become more confident in speaking about and interesting because you're almost taking like this approach of yes looking at people's body language but then it's like a therapy approach too because it's kind of in combination and you're talking about things that are maybe hard topic to talk about but you're getting to like a root issue with it exactly I just find that fascinating yeah I mean it's because it's pretty much a result of the things that I went through you know I didn't know that I wasn't as confident as I thought I was or that I didn't let me let me say I didn't appear as confident as I thought I was because I was raised you take it till you make it whether you, you feel it or not you never let people know but I didn't know that my body was still saying the wrong things. So even though verbally, I may have been saying, yes, I'm confident, yes, you know, I'm not gonna sit in the corner and be quiet, my body was saying something else. So that's why I wasn't getting chosen to speak in meetings when, I, when we were all working. I wasn't the first person that people wanted to talk to, but then when I got all of this information and I started to show up to work differently, I mean, the weekend after I got certified, I went back to work, and people were like, you seem different. You seem like you're happier. Went into a meeting and the CEO called my name. And I was like, oh, shit. You know my name? <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. What did you do All because, you know, when I would I tell people, you know, take up space. You know, women, when we go into these meetings, we tend to, if we have our laptops or if you're still a note taker, we, we put our head down and we, we just sit there. And, and we, when we heads down, just doing the work. But I say, look at how other people in the room are sitting. Don't be afraid to take up space. So when you sit down in that chair, like put one arm, one arm back on the on the chair. And you notice, you see men do this in meetings all the time, right? They do, you're they, right. They sit in a meeting and they've got one arm back on the chair and they're totally listening. Yeah. But what it does is it takes up space and it makes you appear more confident and more visible. So just little tweaks like that, you know? And when you're listening to somebody talk, do a chin grab, you know, where you kind of rest your, your chin on the top of your hand. That makes you automatically appear more intelligent yeah. and more engaged. It, Versus yeah. you sitting there with your head down, your hands under the table. Why would anybody remember you or want to yeah. even talk to you? It's so true. I yeah. Yeah. 
so true. So it's like, it's mind blowing because we see this stuff all the time and we know this stuff, but it's subconscious. We don't really pick up on it. And now you're pointing it out. And this right. is just like, we're just dipping a toe right now. Yeah, so this is just, just like a pinky toe into it. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, that, it, is, it is a world that I have fallen in love with and deeply connected to because I always felt kind of connected to it. But now that you, now that I have all the tools to, to back it up and to really understand it and then be able to go out and teach it to other people, this is stuff that I think, like I said, from elementary school to college professors, everybody needs to know. You know, when you go into the corporate world, all your C-level executives need to know this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was working with one executive and I said, do you know that when you walk around on Fridays to do your, your rounds, people think you're coming around just to see who's really working? Mm-hmm. And he just had no idea. Yeah. Wow. And I said, so he said, well, that was just the day I had free. I said, right. So now let's try to maybe come around on a Tuesday instead of coming down on a Friday when you know half the people in government either telework, have compressed schedules, or they're not there on Fridays. Yeah. And he did. And then people started responding differently. I was like, talk to them, you know, say, hey, how you doing? Don't just yeah. have these housework conversations. Ask people, how was your weekend? I said, if you walk around on a Monday or Tuesday, ask people how their weekend was. Be relatable. Get to know people. And that, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> so I'm a personal trainer. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people we have listening are either personal trainers, physical therapists, in the one-on-one space dealing with people many times in pain. Or that don't have confidence in the gym. Yes, or that don't have confidence in the gym. This is a two-part question. The first question is, I see in my clients, let's say somebody who comes to me in pain, I can almost tell if somebody is pushing their level of pain a little bit, saying like, you know, every little thing bothers them versus somebody really in pain. I don't right. know why I can tell, but I can. I don't know if there's an answer to that. Because they are probably saying that they're okay, but their body is doing something totally different. So they may be saying that they're okay, but they've got their hands in their pockets mm-hmm. when they're saying it. Or they may be saying that they're okay, but they're shaking their head no. And that's something that we miss all the time because we hear people saying, yes, I'm good. Yes, this is right. Yes, this is good. But when they're saying, yes, this is good, they may be shaking uh, their head and doing a shoulder shrug at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so those are things that when you say you don't, you don't know what, what's going on, it's probably that their body is doing something that your subconscious mind picks up on. You just don't know exactly what it is what that you're looking is. at. Right. And then the other question, my second part would be as a trainer, I don't mm-hmm. always know what I'm doing. And especially working with people in pain, which is primarily what I'm doing. I don't always know what I'm doing, but I always try and show them that I know what I'm doing. I always come off with, I try my best to come off with confidence because I want them to feel secure. And even if I don't know, I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to ask my friends, but what body language can I exude? What's the best way for me to continuously do that so that they feel secure in their, in their treatment? Right. Sure. So that's kind of a two-part answer because it's, That one has a little bit to do with body language and a lot to do with something else that we'll talk about. But for the body language piece, you want to appear as open as you can be. So like I said, show your hands, you know, Mm -hmm. definitely always keep them engaged. Show your hands. Don't, I see a lot of trainers, they walk around with their hands in their pockets. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of that may be, you know, in our world, we call it pacifying, but it really can make you look more insecure than you may be, you know, so... Take the hands out the pockets. Don't do that. 
And then the second part of that answer is, remember, they came to you. So yeah. you don't have to know everything. As long as you know two or three more things than them in their mind, you're the expert. So walking yeah. into a room or walking into a situation with your client, just knowing that I know enough to help this person. Right. And then just the second, the third part of that, I guess, <laughs> part three is just always be relatable. You know, just be relatable and let them know that you understand their pain. And if you've ever been in a situation when you've been in pain, you know, share that with them. I tell personal trainers, don't be afraid to get personal. They call it personal trainers for a reason. Because the more you can really connect with someone on that level, the skill, I'm not going to say it goes out the window. That's not their focus. Their focus isn't well, he told me or he or she told me to move my foot this way. And that was totally wrong. They won't even know it because you were so busy talking about different stories and things that you've been through and how you understand their pain and how you want to get them through their pain so that they can go back to living the amazing life they were living, you know, things like that. So that's how you keep the focus away from maybe something that you're not too sure about, you know? And then if you want to just be totally honest and just say, you know, this is something new. Let me look into that and let's talk about that in our next session. And then that also can lead them to a next session. That's awesome because I already do these things. I just never knew there was a thing for it. But I think for listeners, like for new yeah. trainers, and it's taken me a long time to develop. Like I, <laughs> I always have other people on hand and I'll tell my client, I'll be like, I actually don't know why you feel, you're feeling that, but I'll find out. So right. it's just, I think that being so open makes a huge difference in the communication and then the trust that that client has with you. Yeah, what you'd be surprised is when you then able to be honest and say, like you said, I'm not sure, but let me get back to you. Your body shows that. Yeah. You don't know. I'll get back to you versus you in your mind knowing that you don't know something, but you're trying to make it like, seem like you do know something. Your I, body yeah. will always tell on you, you know, mm -hmm. unless, wow. unless you're like super duper skilled in hiding it. Your body will show that something's off. And then that's when we get into what we call hot spots. And while you say, you know, sometimes you meet people and you're like, something's not right about them. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's when that message where you get that kind of something isn't right versus what you just said. I'm not sure. Let me get back to you on that. Because yeah. our brain doesn't do a good job at trying to lie and tell the truth. Yeah. So mm -hmm. hot spots. What's another example of a hot spot? Because I definitely know what you're talking about when you meet somebody and you just feel like, uh, something is weird. Right. So one, and I always tell people, you know, you want to try to get somebody's baseline and baseline is kind of how they are on a regular basis, because when they deviate from that, that's when these hot spots are created. So for example, I would used to work with a guy who he was always fidget. You know, he had a fidget spinner and he would spin the damn thing all the time. <laughs> it was just spinning, spinning, spinning. And then whenever something would happen in a meeting, and I could see that he got uncomfortable, he stopped fidgeting <laughs> and he stopped spinning. And I would know, uh-oh, this he doesn't really like what's what's going on here. He doesn't really like what's, what's it's like the said. opposite of most people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so on the other end of that, if you were with someone who normally doesn't fidget, you know, let's say you're out on a date with somebody and you've noticed over time that you know they're not really that fidget type of person, and you ask them a question, all of a sudden they start twiddling their thumbs or they start, you know, shaking their leg or doing something like that. That's a hot spot for you. That's awesome. This could totally yeah. make you a psycho. Knowing <laughs> yeah. Thing. Knowing all this could really drive all you the nuts. constant alert. Uh, yes. Right. You know, when I first got certified, I had to learn 
when to see it, but then to let it go. Yeah. You know, because I, I see it all the time, but does it always matter to me? You know, no. And if it's not something in that moment that's going to really make or break a situation or if it's not going to impact me, I see it and then I let it go. But in the beginning, because once you see these things, and I can't wait to be able to, you know, show it visually, mm -hmm. but once you see these things, you can't really unsee it. You know, so now that I told you guys about the shoulder shrug, you're going to be looking at everybody who shrugs their shoulders when they're talking to you. That's okay. <laughs> so yeah, okay. It's, it's a balance between, you know, knowing when to apply it versus men to like, that's not my business. It's, it's whatever. It's the same <laughs> with movement. Like there are certain times where I just see it like, oh, that person is not swinging their arm. Like I just will see it everywhere. And then, right. then I'll be like biking in the park and I'll see it, but I'm like, eh, it doesn't matter. Just like keep right, going. Right, right, right. Oh, keep it's, going. it's the same thing. Exactly. Yep. This is just so interesting, this information. Yeah, totally. Do you have any books or like blogs or podcasts or anything like that that you would recommend for people to like dig into this information deeper that obviously is aside from you? Right. I would say look at Janine Driver for sure. Just type her name in Google. She's got books, podcasts. That's where I got certified through her institute. All kinds of stuff there. Look at Joe Navarro. That's, I'll that's link these of, people also to the show notes so they could just click it right in the show yeah, notes. Make like yeah, I would say start with those two and then kind of work your way through because there's so many, but those are the two that I can say are like verified. <laughs> Amazing. And then cool. we always ask what we ask every guest, what do you okay. do to move your brain or your body every day or it doesn't have to be every day, but you kind of mentioned earlier about your little dance party with Beyonce. So, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely the dance party. And unfortunately, we, with all this going on, not able to really power lift right now. But that's my thing. That's my happy spot. Believe it or not. Like, I, I love when all the weight is on my back. That's when I'm in my, in my zen. And that's my form of a meditation. When I remember I used to always try to get into yoga because everybody said that's what you're supposed to do, you know, <laughs> to, to get meditative. And it didn't work for me. But when I'm in the gym lifting weights and all of that, I am at my most peace and most calm. Same. I, I get it. Yeah. yeah. This was so awesome. Where can people find you? Because we're definitely going to link your information, your Instagram. Yeah. So website. on Instagram at the real Tiff Lee, that's where I kind of send everybody. I am working with a designer to redo my website. So once that's all the way done, I will send it to you guys and it'll be on Instagram anyway, but awesome. definitely Instagram because I love, love, love to answer questions and, interact with people and try to do some do some lives and just really spread yeah. this information out there because it's so valuable yeah. very very valuable and we're really grateful to have had you on to talk about it yes it was so fun this is awesome thank you tiff you are so welcome thank you ladies we hope you enjoyed this episode of move your brain move your body podcast join in every week as we release new episodes subscribe or leave us a rating at apple podcasts if you have questions or topics to cover, please email moveyourbb at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at moveyourbb.